Welcome to Rugby Talk with me, Michael Troy. Quite a gimmick idea. He said the thing. I did it. Yeah. He said the line. <laughs> My job's done. See that. <laughs> All right, and that is it for Michael That's Troy. <laughs> this is the front row, brought to you by the Forty Two in partnership with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to The Front Row, the 42's brand new rugby podcast made in partnership with Guinness. I'm Sean Burke, host of the show and armchair pundit. Joining me again this week is the 42's very own Murray Kinsella, journalist and heir to the Murray Mints empire. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Murray. Thank you for having me. This is not a new joke, but I'm glad really? to receive it. Yeah, this was on. You're actually bringing up some bad memories of primary school here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've dredged up some dark stuff in the first 30 seconds, have we? Yeah, Murray Mince. Murray Slurry was the other one, I think. Murray but, uh, Slurry? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Mince is the kinder one, I think, really. Yeah, so that's um, a tough start for me, but how are you, Sean? Yeah, not bad. I feel really bad now, actually. <laughs> it's going to be a great show, guilted right from the off. I was going to ask you for a Mince and all, but I just feel too bad now. <laughs> but thank you for joining joining us again Murray uh, don't worry you're uh, you're not left out Emer don't worry also joining us is Emer Considine monster winger and owner of the coldest hands in Irish rugby uh, <laughs> it's so true it's absolutely <laughs> true and even yesterday the hand warmers were out in force again yeah. I was telling the lads a story mm-hmm. about my hand warmers and standing pitch side playing and commentating I have hand warmers which are absolute dreams for me on the side on the sideline yeah. hanging out on the wing Handy little tip, yeah. I think. Because I think I could give you a run for your money for the coldest hands in the room. <laughs> well, you least. need to get some. You really do. Every time I head to the States, so if you've anybody heading to the States, they, they're much cheaper over there and you just open it up, eight hours of heat, stick it in your sports bra, I'll ready sti- to go. Grand, I'll just yeah. stick it in my sports bra. Ready to go. <laughs> That's the perfect place for it as well. <laughs> I couldn't believe you, you did it in matches. It's really impressive. I was also impressed with your kind of stars in their eyes performance yesterday because one second you were on the pitch playing, and suddenly you're on the TV as well. It was really impressive. It was an absolute rush to get off the pitch yesterday. I asked one of the girls what time it was and it was quarter to four and I was due on prez at four o'clock. So it was the quickest getting ready, run across the pitch with my gear bag and head down for the commentating on Gijgar with the AIL games yesterday in Energy Park. So it was mayhem. I'm rugbyed out of it already, but um, a great weekend of rugby. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope we can get just a little bit more out of you before this weekend is over. Okay, let's get into it. As Ireland were victorious over an Italy side that ended up with 12 men by the end of the game. A rare occasion where the ref was perhaps the hardest working man on the pitch uh, this weekend for reasons we'll get into now in a minute. Uh, Watching this match at one point felt a bit like managing an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, there was, in fact, and there was even one infographic that looked a bit like rugby <laughs> bingo. It's like, yeah, I've got I've got a blood injury here. I'm just going, I'm going to ask you first, Murray, what happened there in the first half with that uh, that rule that everybody's chatting about now? Yeah, fair play to the ref. He was the only one who actually knew what was going on. So it was his Six Nations debut, a guy from Georgia, Nick Amish Kelly, and he, he, he got it bang on. That's the the rule book I was on the, on the way over here I rushed over after the match and I met an Italian man and he was extremely perturbed by this incident where they got a red card and they had to go down to 13 players so basically the hooker got injured the starting hook got injured the replacement hooker comes on and he's the one who gets re- red carded um, so then it comes to a scrum it has to be an uncontested scrum and Italy had to take another player off now we've had to look this law up and it does exist this is based on all, all the way back to early 2000s there was a, a player who wasn't kind of qualified to play hooker he got a really bad neck injury in a game and then even in more recent times you've had 
top level teams kind of manipulating let's say the law and maybe feigning injuries in the front row to get extra players on or if they're really getting dominated in the scrum to make a change so they don't have contested scrums and suddenly the, the kind of momentum in the game has changed so World Rugby obviously wanted to outlaw that but we've got this mad situation where Italy got an injury clearly not a feigned injury for the starting hooker and then the red card happens after that and it feels really unfair that they've been punished for for an injury essentially yeah it seemed like there was a genuine moment of confusion certainly for me but even from like the some of the Italian players and the referee in that moment yeah I mean, Sean I don't think you were the only one here I'm <laughs> sure Murray pulled out the rule book from his back pocket because we were all confused and in fairness a full stadium in the Aviva his first Six Nations game mm. To, to know that law and to like be able to rhyme it off as quickly as he did and he was really correct because I'm sure a lot of people were on Twitter wondering what the hell was going on until you actually put that infographic up on Twitter I think it explained everything yeah. for everybody but the thing is with the hooker it's such a specialist position that it's not just you can throw anybody in there and I think that's the thing it's a safety thing um, you know you might be able to switch from loose head to tight head but maybe as a hooker mm-hmm. you wouldn't be but in fact the hooker had played as the replacement the fellow that actually ended up going in there, his throws mm. were really, really good. Yeah. Um, mm. And he had played hooker in the past, but playing international hooker is a completely different mm-hmm. idea. And it is a safety thing at the end of the day, but what a bizarre start yeah. to the game. Yeah, And talking about spreadsheets, like you have to write it down on the, the team sheet you give in before the game that this guy is willing to play hooker. And the Italians hadn't put that down. They only had the two, obviously a starting hooker and replacement who said they would scrummage. So like safety first, it would have been sure. obviously really bad if someone goes in there, wasn't used to being in that really tough position in the scrum. Like it's pretty tough in there and got hurt. And you know, when the scrum came and the, the captain was still he was still asking his question he still couldn't comprehend it I think after about five times the ref told him look you know you need to get somebody off else off the pitch and I don't know was it a numbers or a language barrier but I think he had pretty good English I think he understood well mm. enough but the ref in fact told the eight to get off the pitch then like yeah. is that allowed that the referee just makes that substitution for the team as opposed to the head coach making that decision no they can they can obviously decide who to bring off but there was no one going off the pitch so he's just like get off and, and he'll right. listen to him it's just a like Roby at the best of times is pretty complex there's a lot of different laws like lots of people who are involved in the game don't know them all clearly and it's not a great look I don't think for this to be happening in a big game like that and I would be surprised if there's no tweak to it like if you get the injury first then the red card I think you have to be allowed bring on a replacement player if it's the other way around fair enough because you could obviously feign an injury it clearly didn't happen here Right so they couldn't just put in like a prop in as a hooker like if they're similar shape you know it has to be pre-agreed you yeah, know, yeah, says they can play there. You have to say before the game, yeah. I'm willing to go in and be in the scrums in that place because okay. it's a really hard place to be. But yeah, yeah everyone's baffled. Peter Manny, obviously, and everyone literally on the pitch was looking around. What is going on here? Everyone's scrambling for the law book. And at least we had the, you know, we had Twitter and we could look through it mm. as well. I'm sure the players, like I have never come across a situation in my career. And I know I'm not playing as long as some of those lads are, but at, at an it happens quite a lot, maybe at club games where you might have teams absolutely killing someone in the scrum and it mm. goes to uncontested scrums but not quite often and it definitely doesn't happen like I don't know many times that has happened in the past in an international game not at all really the funny thing is like fans obviously go to the match they have a couple of drinks mm. they're not really paying too much attention sometimes a lot of the people in the stadium didn't realise Italy had only 13 players <laughs> even during the game like later on uh, I think some of the fans didn't realise there was only 13 they thought it was 14 and they were frustrated that Ireland hadn't pushed Italy further away so everyone found it a weird situation including as we're going to hear now Andy Farrell look it's it's just, it is just weird. I mean, we understand why the rule was brought in, um, but at the same time, I suppose in situations like that, occasions like that, it'll bring the rule back to everyone's attention and they'll look at it from from my point of view, from what we all saw. Um, 
on contesting scrums, um, and, and rightly so, Italy was trying to slow slow the game down. It's what everyone would have done. So you heard it from himself there. He describes it as weird, which shows just, I guess, how unprecedented it is. But let's look at the effect of that on the rest of the match. I mean, I think probably everybody expected like a record score after that. Yeah, it wasn't Ireland's best performance. And in such strange circumstances, you don't know exactly how to attack. You probably haven't prepared at all for that. But Ireland were a bit sloppier as they described it themselves afterwards in how they played some of their passing which has been really good in the last few games wasn't at that standard they ran across the pitch quite a lot and that's the temptation when you've got extra players you can see the space out wide and you just run towards it rather than running straight up the pitch drawing defenders and putting your teammates into space they probably overcomplicated parts of it as well listen they still racked up a 51 point winning margin got a bonus point they're still in the hunt for it but I don't know I, I don't know what you thought Emer. I thought it was a, a dip in their actual performance levels I think some Consciously, when you know you're a man up or even two men up, you you try things or it's in the back of your mind that, you know, we might weave more space. We should have more space, even if the space isn't there. And I thought Italy actually defended it well and used the sideline as an extra defender where Ireland should have absolutely, you know, scored tries. It was a 6 v 3 it was a 4, whatever. There was an overlap all the time. But Italy did this really well, really well on the drift defence where they use the touchline as it. And when you're on a drift defence, your temptation is to step back in and think there's space there, but it's it's not. And as a result of that, you know, Ireland drifted quite a lot because the defence drifted quite a lot. And I think that was the main reason why. And they got put into touch a few times, which shouldn't have happened considering your your, your two men up. It looked like they hadn't had a, a play for what if there's only so many backs in, in the opposition um, side. So they'll definitely be disappointed not to have taken advantage of, of some of those situations and that advantage of still having the eight Italian players in the scrum and Farrell obviously was happy with certain areas as we're going to hear now but I think you can sense his frustration also at the performance There's plenty we can take away from it obviously there's not many times that we've played a, a test match an international match against 12 players um, so but there's plenty we can take away from it I suppose at the start of the game um uh, getting off to a good start and going up seven points uh, is, a, is, a, is a nice enough start. And then I thought we we, we started to overplay a little bit and uh, I thought Italy defended really well and um, they they was aggressive in defence and that was before they went down to 13 men. And He mentioned overplaying there. Emer, what do you think he meant by that? I think a lot of that is on the 10 to control the game and to control your forwards and make sure that they're working around the corner. I think, like I said, there's a tendency to drift and Joey has been guilty of drifting when he passes the ball. Um, and with that drift defence that Italy had, you needed someone just to straighten up that line. And when, when Sexton came on, he took the ball at pace at the line. You can see a really, there's one really good clip where he just runs straight at a defender and sits two defenders down outside him by literally just running straight. It's something so simple, but it's so important. And when he came on, it absolutely changed and it meant everyone else straightened up. And also just his game management of working the forwards around the corner so that there wasn't the turnovers and the rucks that there was when Joey was on. So it was a mixture of his running and his straight lines, but also his commandment of the game and his command commanding of the game and how he worked around and worked everyone else around the park. Mm -hmm. mm. Johnny's the boss, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's the boss. He's still the boss, and he's going to be the boss for next year or whenever until whenever he decides to retire. He's one of the best players Irish rugby has ever produced, and he's one of the best players in in, in world rugby really. And and had that award in 2018. He's still performing, and there's still a golf. Like it felt like a massive opportunity for Joey Carberry even though it wasn't a game of massive stature but he gets a second consecutive start you really want to see him grab hold of the game and it didn't feel like that at all he had some lovely touches he's got great skills um, and I know his goal kicks were, were tough from, from out wide he probably would have wanted to nail those moments and then you just got that sense exactly Johnny comes on 
they're going to finish this out strongly and, and, he, and everyone around them just looks a little bit more comfortable and cohesive as well so there's still work to do on that it is like a, a big question for Ireland how they'll cope without Johnny if he gets injured at a World Cup or indeed during the Six Nations and there's still a little bit of doubt over it. Elsewhere on the pitch we saw a few new faces out there who were the standouts today for you Emer? I think um, I thought James Lowe was fantastic back on the wing mm. um, he was not just your winger like he's never your usual winger but I thought his left boot was phenomenal today and he just does the unexpected stuff, the stuff that isn't always the safe option. You know, when you call a mark instead of 22, you never think of tapping and going and kicking as quickly as he did. And um, I think just across the board, he was really good and really, really good early. I don't think Mike Larry was tested early, but really good in open play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got the coolest wing pairing in international rugby now. Mac Hanson, James Lowe. Like, <laughs> there was a little huddle before the, the kickoff where the entire team, or sorry, 13 players are in the huddle interesting enough 13 and there's two guys over on the sideline have a little bit of a chat it was Hanson and Lowe they kind of forgot to run over they're just so laid back relaxed <laughs> I know Hanson didn't get into the game as much but slightly too laid back in that case <laughs> maybe I, I, I love their attitude I love what they bring to the game the two of them got plenty of touches on the ball and it wasn't as fluid as it has been but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch and I, I agree on Lowry like he's just such an exciting player he's obviously only five foot seven. he's a small guy it's been discussed so much but he makes such a big impact on games he obviously took his tries really well one where he breaks through a tackle after a nice pass from, from Carberry in that instance and then Sexton offloads for the the second one and as we're going to hear now he's settling really well to camp and, and Peter Romani was very complimentary of him yeah look he, he's he's a top man um, you know I've, I've obviously been playing against him um you know, you see how brave and, and how tough he is. Um, you know, some of the impacts that he takes is, is phenomenal, and he just seems to bounce up off off the ground every time. Um, and as Faz said, look, he's he's come in the last few weeks and he's fitted in seamlessly. He's he's been incredibly diligent with his uh, with his work, getting up to speed of, of what he needed to do. And you know, I, I thought that play summed him up, passing that ball there. You know what I mean? He he had. You know what I mean? Ten times out of ten, he'd 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 have the gas to get in the corner there, but he passes the ball to to Loy just to to make it. You know, a thousand percent. Um, that kind of sums him up for from all of us. Really, he's he's just a good guy. I have to say, even before the match, I could see him bouncing around out in the park. He had the biggest smile on his face as well. He looked so just happy to be there, you know. And he totally earned his spot. And also, he's five foot seven. So that gives me hope. <laughs> it can be done. There's hope for everyone. It is an inspirational thing. And, and Craig Casey, obviously coming off the bench, a, a man of similar stature, but also equally brave and, and getting involved. And yeah, Mike Larry, the more we get used to him, the less I'll get sent the bad boys memes as well, which is probably a positive. I'm sick of them at this, this stage. What's this? The bad boys memes? I think I missed this. Mike Larry. Yeah. And bad boys. Oh, is it the same character? It's that same name? Exact same name. Oh, I've okay. shown myself up. Uh, all right. We'll be back after this brief intermission. Stay tuned. We're going to be chatting to Michael Fry about his comedy career his rarely mentioned rugby career and which national anthem is the worst This is The Front Row brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness Welcome back, folks, and I'm very pleased to say we are now joined by comedian and actor Michael Fry. Uh, if, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> already, <laughs> already, he's interrupting sorry. me, throwing me <laughs> off my flow. Unbelievable. Um, no, if you're not, if you're somehow, <laughs> await your cue, Michael. <laughs> uh, if you're somehow not familiar with his work, here's a little snippet of one of his many viral videos.
So, Michael, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to Rugby Talk with me, Michael Troy. Well, give it to you. said so. the thing. I did it. Yeah. You said the line. <laughs> My job's done. See that. <laughs> All right, and that is it for Michael That's Troy. Right. <laughs> um, but how are you? Thanks for joining us today. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to chatting about about rugby. Really which, getting into it because yeah. we don't have any experts on this show. So I was hoping you could give us some proper analysis. Oh. Just, just what happened in the first half of today's match please break it down for the layman i don't know because when i was asked <laughs> to do this podcast i was like okay are you sure you know the rules of rugby and it turns out no <laughs> i don't know well apparently the ref didn't even know the rules of the rugby at one point he had to I, double check today. like i don't know i feel like you would need to do like a course like did you do a course before you started because i have no idea when you let in enough tries and you make all the mistakes you yeah. learn the laws pretty pretty quickly for sure <laughs> my dad's a rugby referee right. so he knows the rules kind of inside out and it's so so technical yeah and like i knew my dad was clever and then i saw that the matrix that they have of like all the possible scenarios today and I was like my god my dad is a genius for knowing any of this like you know I know yeah it was like a rugby bingo card they had like blood injuries yeah. that had the whole <laughs> specific every, injuries yeah, every yeah, yeah. variation alright so your dad's your dad's a, a rugby referee well yeah he's, he does like kids games oh, he's okay. not like you know he wasn't on the pitch today, that wasn't him today no, no. no. okay yeah <laughs> he's Doing very young yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no he, he um, is a referee for like teenagers and stuff like that okay. so we're a big rugby house or my brothers are and I'm not really so, <laughs> so I'm finding new and creative ways to embarrass my dad by sure. invading his interests so sure, I see I see uh, has he ever uh, refereed a game that you've played in when you were younger or? no thank god yeah thank god yeah I don't think I would take too well to it to be honest so he's very strict apparently oh really as a referee yeah, yeah there's no cheek or anything Michael so, when he... we walk on this pitch we're no longer relatives yeah okay. <laughs> Has he ever, like, it's a tough job. Mm. You get abused sometimes, don't you? Has he had to deal with irate parents or things like that? I oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'm not sure of the details. I'm not sure. I, should I say any of that? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, there's just very little tolerance for that kind of stuff in rugby. Yeah. Uh, compared to, like, say, football or whatever else. Do you know what mm. I mean? You just, you don't shout abuse to the ref because you'll be sent off, you yeah, know? It's, it's much more respectful mm. in general. Um, so, have you played at all? Did you play at all when you were younger? I did. I played when I was a teenager. So, mm. I was, like, 13, 14. 14, like so did it in school and then briefly played for the rugby club um, and I do maintain that I could have gone all the way but you know I had different interests like right. the X Factor your so. dad sent you off one day and that was it your time to shine yeah. was gone this will show yeah. him <laughs> never playing it again yeah fair enough I played yeah. it once mm. in secondary school yeah and I was pretty small in secondary school and within five minutes the rugby coach had nicknamed me Papa Smurf Oh. For some reason, I was like, Jesus, man, I'm never playing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Arab chair yeah. pundit for the rest of my life. I still That's... don't even quite get what he was getting no, at. No, what's that about? What's the joke? Did you have a, a beard? I know, was I old? Or... Was I blue? I wasn't much Shirtless. of a Smurfs fan. <laughs> yeah. Stripped to the waist. Yeah. So. What, um, what position did you play? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're more pitch. serious. I, I don't know. Yeah, I was, I, I was misc player yeah i don't okay. think i ever started a game do you know what i mean like so but i think because i i kind of looked older at the time so i looked 16 from the age of like 12 to 22 so do you know what i mean i just didn't age but yeah i was I, when i was younger i was kind of taller so i think that that played to my advantage i wasn't yeah. too bad mm -hmm. but it just i don't know you were a big dad utility player where you kind of could play wherever they needed you i i guess so yeah, yeah or where i would do the least damage you, you know were the guy that everyone thought was overage 
Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, we did a bit of research, actually. We were looking in, into your rugby credentials. Oh, no. and there is someone <laughs> called Mike Fry, who was apparently quite an impressive rugby player. Were you aware of this? I looked him up after you told me and yeah, look, he looked impressive anyway. Oh yeah, I've got to, I've got to, just to make sure it's not the same person here. I know you can't hear this photograph <laughs> yeah. in this podcast, but this is not you, just to clarify. That's no, 12-year-old no. you. Yeah, that's, yeah. Of course they thought, look at that moustache. Um, I could not grow a moustache like that, even now, I don't oh, think. Yeah, so. no, neither could yeah. I, neither could I. Yeah, Bristol Bears captain, 1979 to 1980, was the remarkable Mike Fry. Mm. Uh, arguably the greatest prop in the club's history. You should wow. be proud of your okay. namesake. Uh, That's why I chose the name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's nothing to do with Stephen Fry or any com- any comedy-related people, no. It's, it's no, Mike no, it's Fry. literally, yeah, Mike Fry, my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Bristol Bears fan, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally, I couldn't even find any more details about him, though. I was like, I couldn't find mm. his age or anything. He's a mysterious man, so. He's yeah. an actual bear. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the only hired bears. That so. explains a lot. That explains a lot. Yeah. Well, I, it's great to have you on the show because you are our first, um, well, like non-rugby guest, I guess. Okay. And yeah. You're you're comedically talented, but you're also musically talented. So we want to get your opinions on some, you know, some very divisive topics: the national anthems in the Six Nations. Right. Michael. I feel like I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this. Oh, right. ruffle away, please. <laughs> That's why we got you on here. So my toxic trait is that I think Ireland's call. Is a banger. What? <laughs> right off I love the it. Bat. Like, look, I love hooks, right? And Ireland's call has a killer hook. You can hum Ireland's call back. You can't do that with some of the other national anthems mm-hmm. that we're going to get to, I assume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ireland's call, not as bad as people say it is. Bearing in mind that's a very apolitical view of it. I'm sure people have very controversial opinions on the actual mm-hmm. song itself and why it's used, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into that because I'm a clown and I shouldn't talk about that sort of <laughs> stuff, you know? But as a piece of music, it's a banger, I think. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I think when you when you stood there singing it, the yeah. key is horrendous. Now, Lauren Delaney and myself have been together, whether we're wing or 15, we're, we're in the lineup together for the last four years, five years. And the key change is just horrendous. Whatever mm. key it's mm. at, it's just not sang well. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's another key thing that's in my head. I'm turned off by Ireland's Call because it is just sang. And when the cameras come in front of you, you're miming because you don't want to make a fool of yourself <laughs> by singing out of key, off key, too high, too low. It's it's horrendous. That's, yeah, that's yeah. such a specific thing you have to go through. You must be like, I didn't sign up for this. I just want to play rugby. Yeah, so that's you know? it. There's so much before you even step on the field. But Ireland's Call is probably one of the most stressful things when the camera, the already cameras come and they're right in your face and um, you're you're, <laughs> you're cool, minding cool. trying to get it trying do, not you to all, do you all sing the national anthem? yeah yeah we do yeah, there's yeah. a few girls that like Anna Capeless yeah. like she's literally like belting yeah. it out eyes mm-hmm. closed crying and everything mm. um, but it's, the keys just don't let you do that unless you're absolutely phenomenal at singing which yeah. a lot of us aren't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well considering you're a musically talented guest we thought we'd get your ratings mm. of the anthems. Okay. Would you mind? Have you? We've sent you away to think about this. Yeah. From best to worst, or worst to best, uh, how would you rank the six nations? I'm, I'm going to go best to worst. I think everyone is in agreement at this table. I think that the Marseillaise is yeah. the best national anthem. Yeah. yeah. Because even if you kind of don't know the words or whatever, it's just kind of like mm-hmm. you know, go for it. It's actually quite bloody. Yeah. The lyrics, because uh, I did French in university, and so we studied. Marseillaise, I was like, wow, okay, this does not fit the, the pep of this <laughs> particular song. Yeah, you know? It's better remaining ignorant and just singing along to the nice national anthem. Yeah, yeah, not but it's, it's lovely. It's just such a nice tune. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so that, that's my favourite. Strong. 
I don't know about you guys. It must be nice like, to have an anthem that everyone actually likes. Mm. You know, obviously, yeah, you like yeah. Ireland's call, I'd say thousands of people are disagreeing with you, but everyone <laughs> loves Francis and they just seem to get so into it. Before the match mm. there, what, a couple of weekends ago, it was kind of spine tingling to hear it with 70,000 people. I know some of the Irish players found it quite intimidating mm. as well. Mm. So it's definitely a good one. I really like the Italian one. I, I feel like well, I find yeah. myself humming you shouldn't be humming right before you play Italy you're mm. humming the Italian national anthem yeah. to your head while you're waiting but it's really and even today they were um, they're really passionate about it you could see the passion in them at the very end and the way they do that yeah. yes. final roar yes. at the end <laughs> yeah. and the crowd, when you're over in Italy it's really really strong yeah. I really like the Italian are, are you allowed to sing the opposite team's <laughs> national anthem <laughs> <laughs> imagine getting caught on camera and singing the opposite team's <laughs> like, national anthem the good thing like, is it's in, in Italian so I can't oh <laughs> yeah well, so I would find myself being like, oh, you know what I mean? like it's hard not to you yeah, know just zoning out yeah. yeah I mean if, if there was a burglar in my house and he went dun, 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 I'd obviously join in and I'd be like oh, well, you know. we've got him <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, th- I think third I think mid table I think I'm going to put the Irish ones so I think yeah. I think Ironavine I have to put it before Ireland's call because I don't want to get killed <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I do I know the words to Ironavine mm-hmm. which is good yeah. um, but there is that bit kind of in the middle where everyone's like eh, nah, nah, the mumbly section yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah we've had to do um, so some of some of the girls that played with us wouldn't have done Irish in school, mm. um, and we would have literally written out the words phonetically for them to, so that they can learn ah. them phonetically and, and sing them. Um, so yeah, I'm an Irish teacher, so there's a few of us on the team that we would have helped them along. So you're not <laughs> the only one that doesn't know the words that yeah. mumble along in the middle of it. Yeah, so don't yeah, even know yeah, what yeah. they're singing about. No, not at all. No, <laughs> no not at all. Yeah, also quite a bloody national anthem, really. Yeah, if you think true. About it, but yeah, it's all about soldiers of destiny and guess, whatnot. Yes, it's going. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the main thing. The one of the weird things is actually I lived over in France for a while, mm. and they love Ireland's call over there which I just couldn't ah. believe because obviously everyone over here slags it off constantly but they yeah. like that was my party piece not by choice for a year basically after every match <laughs> I'd have to stand up and sing Ireland's Gold I love it my least favourite I think is probably the Welsh one mm-hmm. now it's beautifully sung mm-hmm. and it always is because they're, they're very good singers mm. but could I home a pack to you like we watched it before we, we got on we got mm-hmm. on air and I can't remember it mm-hmm. you know what I mean I could probably remember the Scottish one before that mm-hmm. I don't know it's the hook I need a hook you know yeah yeah that's otherwise it. it's kind of droning or whatever um, I think God Save the Queen is probably maybe second from last they're kind of tied for me yeah God Save the Queen is so lazily written it's kind of like they say God Save the Queen like three times yeah and it's just kind of like it's almost like someone wrote like their job was to write the anthem and they wrote it on the car on the way over be like uh, oh yeah god say the that kind of thing like just nowhere it goes nowhere like quickly the game starts at three yeah <laughs> in the back of the car recording it oh god <laughs> okay yeah alright so from from best to worst so it goes uh, French French Italian Aaron mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Ireland's call and Ireland's call like the rousingness of Ireland's call it's very like swashbuckly or something like mm-hmm. if it was a Disney song or something like that mm-hmm. it's great I love mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Uh, and then we would go I think Scottish Welsh English mm-hmm. I think okay. I like the Scottish one like when the music dro- when they stop mm-hmm. playing and everyone's just singing it's really mm-hmm. nice yeah that was nice yeah. yeah when they go a cappella, you know yeah I like that so. and in defence of the Welsh one I think you have to be there for it kind of like in Cardiff it's yeah, obviously yeah. in the middle of the city and they're just lunatics when they come down from the valleys or wherever yeah. Yeah. and into the stadium and they're all unbelievably passionate about it so it's kind of different I know what you mean it's not the best in terms of musicality or whatever but mm. I feel like it would there. just put you to sleep you're going out to play a game of rugby like if you look mm. at the French if you look at the Italians the passion involved in it even Ireland's call yeah, yeah, yeah. It always feels slightly mad that we have two separate songs 
where it's like mm. you think we're done it's like no no it was <laughs> still, got a set list. it's so long you're actually so cold standing there as a player <laughs> because you've your presentation top taken off yeah and i actually broke my finger in the french game last year for in the warm-up mm-hmm. and um it was getting so it was sore initially but mm. as the as we went went out to the field and we didn't just have the two anthems we had we were home so we had three anthems to stand through and as the anthems were playing so obviously the french one was first and then ours but by the second anthem, I was like, my hand was absolutely <laughs> throbbing. And like, because when you're in the game, you don't really feel it. But mm. when you were standing there for probably seven, eight minutes, mm-hmm. That's the a pain time. was, <laughs> and all I was thinking about was my finger and the pain. And one of the girls was like, it's just a mindset. I was like, it's just a mindset. <laughs> <laughs> I think my finger's broken. I'll try and play against France. Um, but it's just, it's a long time. If you're looking at the player's perspective to sing the two anthems and then have to go the opposition anthems, mm. it's a long time there. And if it mm. is cold day or wet day, you're yeah. it's a lot of prep and a lot of thinking. You have a lot of thinking time as a, as a player about what you're going to do and what you're going to do first, your first job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm glad I'm usually sat in the living room at that stage with a cup of tea. Here we go. You get uh, to judge all the things. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not bad, I'm not Come on. Here. <laughs> yeah, it's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a big red button in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all right. Well, thanks very much for your ratings there, Michael. Outside of the world of rugby, mm-hmm. uh, tell, us, tell us what you're working on right now. What are you working on? Uh, so next week, uh, I'm going to London to record oh, yeah. the Michael Fry show. What? Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm doing it with my, my good friend, Kieran and there's someone else with us as well yeah uh, what's I don't know he's someone else in this room work perhaps? shy little freak what's it called um, <laughs> it's you sorry it's me that's right yeah surf, that's right wasn't it so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't think you'd you'd stoop to that Emma my god uh, <laughs> yeah that's true that's yeah, true yeah, it's very yeah. exciting I'm slightly annoyed it's not called the John Burke show featuring Michael Fry mm, but yeah. I wasn't in the room when that decision was made but we're very I, I wasn't. I, I never actually titled it myself. It was the guy oh, really? who was producing it. it. Was like let's just call it the Michael Fry show. I was like, cool, but it sounded very up myself or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I don't want to hide behind other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, so yeah, look, looking forward to that because I've done a bit of kind of voice work. I've another pilot coming out on Radio Four, mm-hmm. um, and that is with um, some Northern Irish comedians and Kier is involved in that as well. So that's exciting. I'm doing a lot of kind of voice. Actory mm. kind of stuff because I just love accents and I love doing that kind of yeah, stuff. So, yeah, um, that's that's a ton of fun. So, um, yeah. Apart from that, I am on television uh, yeah. for yeah. It's it's yeah the first TV show that I ever filmed and it was Graham Norton's novel that was adapted for TV. So, um, I'm in it for, for like five minutes. But Still. I got on the trailer, so yeah, it looks you know, look important. You are. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. What a way to start! That's that's uh, that's pretty cool. That must have been a fairly cool experience on the set there. Oh, mental, mental. Yeah. As in, like, so Kathy Burke was the director, and then we had yeah. people like you know Connell Hale. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a massive Game of Thrones fan, so mm-hmm. I don't think I ever relaxed around him really. But and then we'd Paulie McLean and Shimon McSweeney, and you know Brenda Fricker was there. Um, you know, just people like that. Yeah. Wasn't know? Jeremy Irons just hanging around as well? He wasn't even on the shoot. He just happened to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I came down from the hotel room to the other this is such a wankery story uh, but I came down from the hotel room hey, drop those names man. yeah I met the other actors and there was two guys sitting at the table beside them and I was like oh yeah these guys are actors too and then one of the girls like pulled me over and was like that's Jeremy Irons I was like I see and I wouldn't mind but I'd watched a video in the famine museum across the road with him in it not half an hour before that so yeah but he just lives there he just chills out there yeah you know? fair play to him how's yeah. the reaction been to the trailer um, people must have been pretty excited big yeah yeah. yeah. I th- there's a real kind of like nice goodwill on Twitter and social media towards towards me anyway do you mm. know what I mean so mm. it's it's, uh, it's lovely to see people like 
good on him you know what yeah, I mean like it's yeah, like yeah. having thousands of proud parents which is lovely for so, sure for yeah. sure yeah and we wish you all the best with that um, what are yeah. two of you like working together because obviously we've seen a some brilliant uh, production we're like Simon um, and Garfunkel yeah. you know we're constantly falling out uh, yeah, yeah, breaking yeah. up I do all the work together kind of <laughs> 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 oh great we have great crack I think we the way we write sketches well we both make stuff on Twitter yeah. and we both very much have like I really like Matthew's sense of humour so mm. and, and when we were writing together on, on the show like we just had great crack we were just in yeah. a room like you would be with your friends just making jokes and just yeah just, I mean it was two days of us trying to make each other laugh which was yeah. the best fun do you know yeah. what I mean and like when they said I could have other writers are just like give me Sean Burke I want Sean Burke on board <laughs> he's the first person I would want on this do you know I'm picturing you picking up a red phone on your desk get yeah. me Sean get Burke, me Sean right? Burke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think we write very similar yeah. kind of stuff and like, I don't think we, we really appear as ourselves that much it's all character based and we write in a similar way so it just worked it just made sense that we do something together you know yeah. a lot yeah. of rugby stuff so yeah. <laughs> oh yeah all oh, the really detailed rugby in jokes the laws yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> we get into the laws really nitty gritty um, I was going to ask how, how musically talented are you because obviously the indie stuff has been unbelievable like you must be a pretty good musician on top of it all uh, do, do you know I'm not really my theory and stuff is bad I don't know what a fifth is I don't know <laughs> anything about music theory whatsoever I, I think the one thing that I can probably say I'm good at is a hook which is yeah. what I value in music and what I like do you know mm -hmm. what I mean I'm bad otherwise at like anything kind of technical like I should not be writing a national anthem or anything like that I don't think it's going to happen I will turn it down if it does if it gets offered but yeah I just I don't know anything about kind of theory so it's, it's all kind of just I only learned instruments so I could kind of sing along because I loved I loved singing but I can like now I'm kind of able to do like keyboards and guitars and like sometimes say it's an Irish song or whatever I've been messing around with like tin whistles and barons and mm. accordions and mad stuff like that but you, you kind of just adapt you know to whatever it is like it's all kind of more or less the same Mm. principle you know what I mean like so and you got into the habit of churning out stuff quite quickly as well which actually mm. seemed like quite a stressful experience some of the songs you made it really, really was around. yeah I kind of burnt myself out yeah. at the start so um, yeah I, I was releasing like nearly two or three a week and some of them take like 15 hours to do and especially if it's something really topical or like say it was like Jackie Weaver or whatever you have 24 hours to make that relevant mm. you know and I tried to do that again for um Owen Harris and Katie Hannon's interview mm -hmm. and I had the song but I didn't have the energy to do the video I was like I can't do this I'm broken I'm not able for it like you know yeah. it's so, so many different mediums at once He's writing yeah. and then the music and then the video and then editing. even just I was running out of clothes I was wearing my mother's clothes because <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like in my head I was like no they have to wear something different every video but it's like you own a finite amount of items of clothing <laughs> you know that's you know I didn't venture into being shirtless or painting myself but I would have gotten to that point after a while you know yeah, what I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's the, you don't, you're not the only one with that fear I've had that my wardrobe department is my wardrobe at home yeah. you know so I'm just terrified that one comment's like oh, you wore that t-shirt last week John yeah yeah or the state or you know when they say haha that's so funny it's like no I, these are my clothes <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest part yeah um, uh, and you do it all yourself as well it's a one man band as well. yeah, yeah yeah pretty much but it's exhausting you know yeah, yeah. keeping all my personalities in check you know? <laughs> have, you, have you heard from people that you've kind of taken off or had fun at their expense at all I including have. PR people um, I, I have yeah 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 so the deputy stag one uh, I you know the guy who um, what's it the TD mm. uh, Paul something I can't remember his name 
not so odd. Uh, yeah, you remember Deputy Stag, but you never think. Yeah, you never think of uh, Yeah, it's, it's it's Paul from the Green Party. Uh, he he was like, yeah, this is good. So I was like, cool, okay, this is great. Like you know, and I'd love if like say I did like a live say I started to do the music with. I'd love to bring him on as a special guest. Do you know what I mean? Just like he's here right now. He's gonna say it. You know, say the so, line. Yeah, <laughs> blow the roof off the place. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Oh, but I do. I have a live show actually. I forgot to mention that. Um, next month so April mm, mm-hmm. April the 7th myself and Killian Sunderman are losing our live virginity to 60 people so very yeah exciting. I am very afraid but because I've never done that before but you'll we'll be see. you'll be grand are you just are you gonna do you have some new songs that you're gonna break out or are you yeah. gonna do some a big a mix of new and old so we call it an evening with okay. the two of us uh-huh. because I don't I don't like the idea of saying it's comedy and then not being funny right. so it's yeah it'll be songs and kind of bits in between and stuff like that so right, right. yeah I'm interested to see how that goes mm-hmm. um and then I'm, I'm just going to leave the country if it doesn't go. Well. <laughs> but that's right. You did say you were moving to England. So yeah, the, yeah. the timing of that is quite deliberate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will leave flee in shame. <laughs> the day and, after yeah. the gig. <laughs> Immediately, just straight to the ferry. <laughs> the ride and get him out of here. <laughs> um, all right. Well, brilliant. That was a great chat. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having um, me. Back after this, we'll be looking forward to the rest of the Guinness Six Nations. It's the big one. In two weeks' time, we're going to England. The Front Row, brought to you by The 42, in partnership with Guinness. All right, next up, it's England v Ireland. That's right, the Irish are coming to England. How do you like it this way around? Should we be relishing that, Murray? Is it is it a game we can definitely win and win well? Yeah, I'm hardly confident about it. England haven't been great the last couple of games. Ireland obviously weren't fantastic this weekend, but they have been excellent in the, in the bigger games. And it feels like an, a great opportunity to win and stay in the, the hunt for a championship. England are, are still in there as well themselves. They weren't impressive against Wales. It was a game they probably should have put away a little bit easier. Their attack isn't really clicking, but then they have like incredible players like Mara Toja. He just literally lives on the borderline of legal and illegal around the laws all the time but he's so effective Marcus Smith is growing in stature every game it's weird like there's a lot of hype about him he's a young out half he's coming to the team and now there's the kind of weird counter hype against him almost the kind of backlash about him getting man the match awards and and people thinking there's too much but I do get excited about players like that it's brilliant Mm -hmm. to see young guys with that kind of attacking skill and flair getting into the, the international scene so I actually think yeah it's a game Ireland should be winning yeah, yeah. Do you agree with that, Neymar? Yeah, I think, look, they're they're definitely improving, but they haven't showed any, much in attack so far. Like, even the game against Wales, you know, Wales managed to get three tries against them. as a, Like, they lived on penalties, and that's what kept them in the game. Um, they only got one try, wasn't it? So, like, that alone, you know, you need to look at yourself and think, well, what's not working? Is my set piece not working? Yes, they're getting a lot of penalties and scoring off them, but, you know, it's never an easy place to go. Head over to Twickenham. Um, but Ireland, you know, like, we're we won't be happy with with the performance against mm-hmm. Italy so they'll look to capitalise and come back I think even stronger against England mm-hmm. the scary the worried thing is we don't know what the story with Manu Tuilagi is because he is like Ireland's kryptonite when he plays for England mm-hmm. he just runs over like the Irish lad suddenly looks small he just gets the ball over the gain line and everything that England want to do works off the back of that he obviously got a late injury so didn't feature against Wales they'll be very hopeful of getting him back because the Irish players definitely have bad memories of playing against him anytime Ireland have had a good day against England he hasn't 
really been involved. You think of, say, 2018 when they won the slam over there, the Grand Slam, and, and got the job done. Any of the bad days in England, and there have been a few of them. I can remember one, the World Cup warm-up match uh, 2019 when you knew that things were going really badly wrong. It was a really hot day, actually, and my laptop started melting during <laughs> the game, so it was an equally stressful, uh, even more stressful day. But yeah when England get him going forward it's a really scary prospect you need France to slip up that's mm. the thing they're still on track for a grand slam and they look really good against Scotland they look really confident the pressure that's building on them wasn't apparent at all so they're going to absolutely going all out against Wales away and then England at home what a way for them to potentially finish a, a grand slam but Ireland absolutely have to keep themselves in that fight so going away to England and winning is crucial and ask Andy Farrell about the, the challenge ahead what he's made of England and what Ireland are going to have to do to win well we, we, we know that they're going to come out off the line as us um, um, and Italy came out of, off the line as us at times today and we, we, we weren't composed enough so we need to be a little bit more accurate there we know that they like to kick the ball for territory a lot um, the same as what they've done um, in the past couple of seasons uh, I thought I thought I thought they were good. Um, I thought in the first half they were very dominant as far as territory is concerned. They kept the scoreboard ticking over, obviously, and, and thoroughly deserved the, the half-time lead. And um, I suppose, like us, there'll they'll be, they'll be there'll be plenty for them to ponder on in in, uh, in in the in the next coming weeks, the same as ourselves. What kind of decisions does he have to make ahead of the England game? I definitely think there'll be there'll be a lot of changes, especially in the back line. Um, he mentioned about the England kicking game, and it is very strong. And I think it's, an, it's a given that Hugo goes back into full back. Um, his aerial capacity is phenomenal. He just controls it really well. And that's not taken from Mike Larry's performance. I think he was fantastic. But just the experience that Hugo has, given he's only playing such a short period of time with the team. Um, I don't think you can look past James Lowe after a performance like that. He's been so good for the last year. People criticised his defence. And he showed against New Zealand what his defence was nothing to be worried about. And only that he was injured. I think that was the main reason that he wasn't in after such a phenomenal performance after coming on with Leinster, deserving getting that start. I think he has to slot in there and I'm, I'm torn on the other wing. I'm not quite sure. I'm obviously a proud Munster woman and I think Andrew Conway is tried and tested. Um, he doesn't make mistakes, doesn't make very many mistakes, but then Mac Hanson has the X factor. So it's like, what do you go for there? I think he'll go for Conway if he's fit. He had a few injury niggles this week. I think you you, you get the balance in your team probably, you know, where you have low Roman infield, get a nice touch on the ball. Conway's unreal in the air, really brilliant at kick chase, um, tackling, all the kind of work rate stuff, as well as being a good finisher. It would be the most harsh dropping ever, wouldn't it, if Mac Hansen's not in the starting team? Because he's done really well in his team, but you've got to weigh up the balance and who you're playing against. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Lowe and Conway in the centre, like Bundyaki's physicality and his good form. He's pushed hard in his passing game and, and improving that as well and, and Gary Ringrose a dead cert really at 13 I think um, and then Johnny comes back in at 10 doesn't he captains the side drives things on I thought Gibson Park probably did enough to continue at, at 9 as well so yeah the, the wings are probably the, the biggest call but mm. I agree with John Lowe he's done so much good in that jersey and but for the injury he would have been starting in this campaign but it's nice to have those headaches yeah yeah here's a headache for you who has the most sensational hair in the Ireland squad at the moment Oh, Mac Hansen. Oh, he was quick to respond there. You've what thought about, about this. Um, the Jake? cornrows? Oh, I didn't oh, even Philly think. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of the cornrows. I was he got with his dyed blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. there's actually a few decent cuts. James I just, Lowe. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I was thinking about because there was a moment where James Lowe he took his his um, 
you let his hair yeah, loose Sean, that's why girls always wear braids in their hair because you're constantly getting out of a rook and your hair is everywhere so if you ever watch a women's rugby game it's you should just get braids in his hair like Finley Bealham very smart yeah yeah I know it's just more to think about isn't it yeah, I'm, I'm, going for, I'm going for Hanson I just think those flowing locks when he takes off that scrum cap it just looks so clean and smooth yeah and you just don't know what's under there until they fully t- take it off either as well you know it's. Uh, I'm glad James Lowe doesn't keep it under a scrum cap either you know he's, he's got to let that loose ahead of the England game probably the biggest talking point is going to be Johnny Sexton versus Marcus Smith Marcus Smith 23 years old Johnny Sexton 36 years old Master versus The Apprentice who's going to come out on top in that regard it's going to be the big talking point ahead of the game just given I suppose the experience that Johnny has and the not lack of experience but he's pretty noted and he's been like his ego must be through the roof at the moment like how many player of the games um, has he got which you know, is what he needs as a number 10. You need that confidence to be brimming with it, headed into Six Nations games with the ladder. Like it's the it's the most important part of the championship at this stage. You know, there's still a championship in it for England. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be brimming with confidence and that's something that we don't need as a country. <laughs> no. Are there number 10 brimming with confidence? Not they're now. two riveting characters, aren't they? They're just the heartbeats of the teams they're in. They're unbelievably ambitious and Smith's a young guy but you heard Jerry Flannery on TV he coached him in Harlequins talking about him wanting to be the best player in the world and being really honest with that Johnny Sexton obviously has similarly lofty ambitions and has driven everyone around him so two unbelievable characters slightly different players rather different players really in terms of Smith's ability to beat defenders his kind of flair on the ball he's got a really kind of lovely goose step where he hops up into the air and then suddenly accelerates away and he's beating you before you know it his passing game is excellent he chips and chases is stuff that maybe Sexton used to do a bit more mm. with, with a little bit more pace in his game but Sexton is the the controller the chess master he's always moving the different pieces around putting defenders where he wants them and then striking when the when the opportunity arises it's a real battle of of minds and probably a little bit different in, in terms of their styles but two guys who just are constantly discussed by fans mm-hmm. yeah yeah it seemed two big talents and two big personalities as well by the sounds of it yeah yeah, and they're the they're the ones who who drive it on. Like amongst amazingly strong, I suppose, confident personalities, they're another level, aren't they? The tens, they're they're a unique beast, aren't they? You've played with a few of them, I know, and they're just different. They're wired different, aren't they? Yeah, but they have to be. Like they've so much to do, so much to think of, so much to you know. There's so much falls back on them, and like I said, it's such a specialist position that if it goes well, it's because it went. They went well. If it doesn't go well, well, it's because they didn't go well. And generally. Mm if your out half plays well your team will play well because they've managed it really well and they're constantly criticised but it is such an important position in the field that um, it can't be underestimated mm-hmm. and the thing is you're you're the target like Johnny Sexton every time England play him they're just looking for him they'll leave a shoulder on him just after he's passed he's constantly taking those hits and you'd imagine Ireland are going to be doing something similar Marcus Smith has played against the, the Springboks last November but they'll be just looking to put so much pressure on him at a time when everyone's expecting him to be the guy and the difference maker he probably embraces that pressure he, he seems like that kind of personality but both those guys are, are going to be in for a lot of attention from the opposition mm, defences yeah. yeah I'm still yet to see a 10 that likes tackling though so neither <laughs> Johnny fairly gets stuck into him in fairness he he, he likes uh, a choke tackle anyway and, and getting stuck in he's always the one he loves them all yeah, he starting, yeah. Up, starting them all. Yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure, as you say. Uh, something I understand hosting this podcast. You know what I mean? Pulling the strings. I'm the chess master, like you said, Murray. Behind the scenes, just moving it along. So, 
Johnny, you know, I know what you're going through, basically, is what I'm saying. It's very spiky characters, both of them as well. Oh, yeah. When these cameras stop rolling, <laughs> I'm such a diva. Where is my coffee? Anyway, we'll leave it on that uh, diva-ish note, shall we? Uh, that's all for this week's episode of The Front Row. Thanks very much to Emer Murray and our very special guest, Michael Fry. Thank you to our sponsor, Guinness. And if you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure to click subscribe on your favourite podcast app. We will see you again next time. Thank you.